Come on. Time is right. Time is now. Welcome to Lifeblood. Be well and welcome our guest, the strong and powerful Stephen Gwynup. Stephen, welcome. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you on. Stephen is the wellness coach for financial folks. She's the founder and wealth advisor at Grow Wealthy. She has a master's in kinesiology, exercise science. Again, I'm excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Wow, my personal life. I love to go floating, kayaking, and fishing. Um, I live in central Missouri, south central Missouri. Just moved here from Colorado. Previously, we lived in, um, in I almost said Arizona, but we didn't. We lived in Australia, and <laughs> and but I'm from Missouri, so that's kind of where I am. I've got two kids. I've been in, fitness, in the fitness world for 20-plus years, and um, what I do is, like you said, I'm a fine, I work with financial advisors and I help them with their wellness plans. And um, really, if you could boil it down to one thing, is I teach financial advisors how to treat their health as if it were an investment account and how to manage it with their sound financial principles. And I do this because behind me, there is a legacy award um, from my dad's career as a financial advisor for 32 years and I grew up as the daughter in that house I saw what that career can do I saw the ups and downs of it the stresses how it can take a toll on health met you know his colleagues and his clients and got it felt like a gut punch when I was a kid and I would see people who worked really hard to create financial security and then either get sick or die prematurely and so that's why I became an exercise physiologist and that's that's why I do what I do. Nice. So you saw your dad have this incredibly rewarding and successful career in a lot of regard, and maybe even was 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 he one of the people that was suffering physically? You know, in his words, he had to hustle really hard for ten years, and we would go on vacations, even camping to the same place that our entire family's gone for years. There's no cell service. There's nothing there. And he would have to leave to go check in at the office. And it was always on his mind, always thinking about it, highly stressful. And, um, you know, during that career, he his midsection started to grow and he was kind of what you would call maybe soft and <laughs> it's not super, super healthy or fit. And like he was after he stopped that career and he was, what, maybe close to 70 when he stopped. He bought a farm. He started chopping his own wood, fixing his own fences, and he got his body back like that. But, you know, he did fairly well because he didn't push himself hard beyond those 10 years, and he was able to kind of reclaim some of his own life back. But what I saw when I went on the, you know, award trips and all of that, and I was, I had this moment that I remember sitting on a bus and it was with one of the partners of the company who was very well known, very high up, had been in the industry for a very long time. And he was miserable. He was sick. His relationships were broken and he did not want to be on that trip and he was burned out. And that was like, I just, I, I think I was probably 17. I'm 48 now. And I was sitting there and I remember it like, like yesterday. And I was like, wow, what is going on in this career that drives people into this really bad place? And then I met, you know, clients and they would get sick. And so, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the, I don't know. My dad is a part of that story, but more so it kind of spreads out to other people. 
Yeah, no, I appreciate that very much. I think yeah. what, what what is it uh, about, and you can probably uh, take the career of a financial advisor and there's probably through lines to lots of other entrepreneurial type endeavors. What is it about that that causes everything you just laid out, all the bad things? Yeah, it, I call it a toxic cocktail for disease. And it's a sedentary lifestyle, which is behind a desk, sitting most of the day and mix that with stress and not just a little stress, but chronic stress. And when you put those two things together, they actually destroy, erode your health. And that can, you're right, that can be for financial advisors, that can also be for, you know, solopreneurs, business owners, you know, VPs, anybody that kind of has those two things that are coming together um, in, in like a decade type environment, you know, where it's their career. And what that does is people think that it's not that bad because, you know, they're not getting hurt. They don't really notice it because it's a silent killer and it happens over time. And so what's interesting is for 20 years, I tried to get people in the gym. That was my thing, you know, like target heart rate zones, sets and reps. You know, I worked in launching a kettlebell program in Australia. I worked for a group fitness company that was global. I helped club operators figure out how to get more people in their gyms. Like I did all the things that are like the fitness things until I realized that when we lived in Australia, they had a very no worries lifestyle. It was very relaxed. And when I came back to the States, I felt this heavy blanket come onto my shoulders. And that's when I had that aha moment. I was like, oh, wow, let's dig into this research again and see what I'm missing here. And it turns out that if the average person is awake 16 hours and the average American sits sedentary and typically under stress for 12.3 of those hours, which that floored me. I knew it was high. I didn't know it was that high. And the research shows that if you just change that by two hours, so if you only sit for 10 hours under stress, then you're going to massively change your chronic disease profile and all-cause mortality, like your risk of death for any reason. And that is even if you exercise for an hour every day, it's not protective of people in these kinds of situations. So I was like, wow, I totally missed the mark here. I pulled exercise off of what I recommend. I don't even recommend it anymore. And I say, look, you've got to tackle these things, your stress, your sedentariness. And I'm not even saying like become an exerciser, like just get up. Like I'm standing at my desk right now, get up occasionally, sit down is fine. Walk around when you're on the phone. Those kinds of things actually have way more power than going to the gym. Oh, so sitting, I heard this years ago, sitting is the new smoking, essentially. Yeah, Dr. Levine of the Mayo Clinic coined that about seven years, 10 years ago, whatever it is. And the reason he said that is because smoking affects every system in your body. It, it negatively impacts every single system in your body. And so does sedentariness. So does sitting. It doesn't just affect one thing. Um you know, like the sun kind of affects your skin and pretty much that's all it affects. But um, when you sit, it actually affects every single system. And what happens is you've got almost like these little light switches in your body for oxygen uptake and glucose uptake and all of these systems that let your body know that it's still alive. And when you sit <laughs> for more than 30 minutes, those kind of start to shut down. They start to flip off. 
And I liken it to my cell phone. I don't know where my phone is right now, but you know how when you don't look at it, the screen will go dark? It's saving battery, right? So if you just keep touching the screen, it'll keep staying on, like it's alive. And that's what we need to do with our own bodies to be able to maintain a healthy body. My body's like asking, like one system is like, did George die? Like, I don't know. Yeah. He, he might have died. <laughs> you haven't had input in a while. What's going on here? Right. It's like, oh, he's just been sitting forever. Yeah. So for people totally who are right. listening, I, I, I imagine that the same thought's going through their head as is mine. It's like, well, how many hours a day am I sitting? So how do people monitor that? Yeah. You know what? When I first start working with clients, I have them track their steps. And I know everyone's heard the whole like 10,000 steps. You need to strive for 10,000 steps. But nobody ever really looks at where they are if they don't try. Like where is it that your natural is? And most of my clients come in, like if they're working on a Tuesday and they don't really have anything going on, they're hitting like 1,500 steps kind of normally, naturally. And so what I try to get them is to boost that to a 5,000 natural. So 5,000, you don't even have to try and you're going to get to 5,000. That alone is going to give your body the symptom, the signals that it's still alive and needs to maintain all these systems. And that's called NEAT non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's just a really fancy way to say that it's your non-exercise movement. It's your everyday kind of walking around, cleaning your house, you know, working, you know, going to the grocery store. So just your, your, your low level movements. Um, from there, you can then take, you know, maybe a walk after lunch or an evening walk with your spouse or whatever those things might be. Go bounce the basketball and you can start to increase it from there. But so many people strive for 10,000 steps. And if you don't have that base, that's just part of who you are, then it's always going to be a struggle. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. So in, okay, if, if I am, what, what are aside from not dying and my body not thinking that 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 I'm going to die if I am sitting for 12.3 hours per day if I can get that to 10 and if I can increase my steps from 1500 to to 5000 what what are some of the benefits that that you think the people or that you know people start to see yeah so first of all they start the main thing is they start to see a change in blood sugar and and um uh, insulin. And that's the biggest disruptor. Like I follow a doctor, Dr. Hyman, and um, he's written several books. He's great to follow. He has lots and lots of tips on his Instagram page. But um, he says that that's the number one thing that disrupts everything else in your body is blood sugar. And I, I tend to agree with that. Um, another, and, and when I say blood sugar, you know, you've got these peaks and valleys throughout the day because you eat, right? Your body uses stuff, you eat, and your blood sugar is always changing. When it changes too much, that's when you run into trouble. When it peaks too high, then you have a flood of insulin, and then it peaks too low, and you get cravings, or you want to fall asleep. You know, and that that cycle is self-perpetuating. You, it's hard to get off that roller coaster once it starts. So, if you can start moving more, and you can start getting out of your chair more, and taking taking these switches and switching them on, your glucose uptake—that's your blood sugar absorption 
changes. And it's able to kind of monitor that a little bit better. And so you, instead of going peaks and valleys, you start to get just this really gentle kind of flow um, that works really well with your body. There's another guy out there, um, Dr. Lustig, and he wrote a book called Metabolical. It just came out, and he summarizes it in two actions that these things do. Is that one, it protect if you can protect your liver, and you can feed your gut. Protect your liver and feed your gut. So when you do these things, um, you know, and, and that starts a lot of times with the end of your fork. You know, we're talking about movement and controlling blood sugar, but kind of the precursor to that is what's on the end of your fork. That's actually 85%-ish of the equation, um, followed by your movement. And, you know, then eventually icing on top is maybe your exercise, but, um, and I'll step back even like the foundation is awareness and curiosity. Be aware of what you're doing. How much am I moving? What is, what is on the end of my fork? I wonder what it would feel like if I did X, Y, and Z, whatever it might be. And so those are the changes you start to see. When I talk to clients, it's the, really the only thing I want to know about them is what's the size of your waist. Because if I know the size of their waist, I know their gut health. I know how they're protecting their liver. I know what their blood sugar is doing. Um, I know their mood and, you know, kind of what's going on by the size of their waist. So if you, and that's a really important KPI. If you don't know your waist size, you should be tracking it, you know, once a week probably, and then watch the trend to see what it's doing because it tells a story. Yeah. And if you never eat with a fork, if you're just eating with your hands all the time, that's also probably telling a story. If I'm just pulling food out of a bag in, in, in my car and delivering it directly to my mouth, it's, it's probably not. That's a good point, uh, yes. That's probably not ideal. So start using a fork and pay attention to what's on the end of it. And I speak from personal experience on all this stuff that, that I certainly talk about too. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, think that it sounds if I'm doing 1500 steps a day and we're talking about doubling that to 3000 and then whatever the whatever the multiplier is again to get to, to 5000 that that, that that sounds kind of daunting um, how do you work people through, or talk people through that process or help people through that process of just incremental change yeah um, we start out um, a lot of my clients start out just setting a timer at the top of the hour Top of every hour, just get up and go get a drink. Go to the bathroom. Maybe go check on your kids or, you know, look outside. You know, at the top of every hour, just you can actually get a pretty decent amount of steps just for a few minutes, maybe doing a lap upstairs, kind of walking around, checking on the yard, whatever it might be. Um, and do that at the top of every hour. That adds quite a bit. The other four important times are the first hour you're awake. And getting up and doing some sort of movement, you know, one my routines are to get up and look outside immediately because the light on your retina actually triggers certain chemicals and circadian rhythm to start the process that you need to be able to not only have a great day, but sleep well the next night. And so get your eyes in the sunlight, step outside, look out the window. The next thing is to move your body. Tell all these muscles that you've got in your body that you still need them. They're not supposed <laughs> to atrophy today you still want them today so you know i have a five minute routine five five things in five minutes that i do in my kitchen while i'm waiting for breakfast to get ready or whatever it might be and you know i can i can show you guys what that is at some point but it's essentially doing push-ups on the countertop it doesn't even have to be hard countertop push-ups 
I grab hold of the sink and I, I do some squats. I squat all the way to the floor because I want all parts of my knee to work well forever. Um, if that hurts people, they don't have to squat all the way down. And then, you know, I do a series of other things, but basically just tell all the muscles that you're working and you'll look at your step counter and be like, what? Oh, oh my gosh, I've already gotten so many steps. And then you do the every hour thing. Um, we were talking about blood sugar. One of the most important times to go for a short stroll, and I don't even mean fast, is right after your meals. Now, most people can't do those right after every single meal because it's just maybe not time efficient. But if you can do lunch, because that's going to prep your evening for whenever most people start snacking like crazy, that's going to pre prep you for your evening day, your evening um, time. Yeah. So walking for 15 minutes within 15 minutes of finishing a meal is going to cut that blood sugar spike we talked about in half, like in half just by going for a stroll. And so, and then you're getting some of your, your steps up again. And then, um, the last one is the, the last hour before you bet, go to bed, you know, just clean up your house, put things away, just move and all of this stuff. It's, it's what I call like direct deposit for your health. It automatically happens. It's an autopilot thing after a while. And I have clients that lose 50 to a hundred pounds only doing this with their exercise. Like, and, and when they have a bad week, they're only getting 5,000 steps a day on average. And that's a bad week. You know, we're always pushing toward more for certain reasons, but um, that's where you want to get to. Amazing. I think that that's great. Super practical. And I mean, it's not a game of perfect, but that's something that we can always sort of like we've been talking about, just working towards doing. Maybe I won't be able to do that every day, but if you're able to do it one day a week, two days a week, three days a week, that, that's what it's all yeah. about. Yeah, exactly. You know, I have people that say, oh, I had such a bad week. I didn't get all of my whatever's in, you know, walking after lunch if that's what they've decided to do. But if we look at it from the previous month and they got one in and this time they got three in, doesn't matter if their goal was eight or whatever it is. It's always about the trend. It's not about where you are. It's about where your trend line is going. So I believe in KPIs. I think you should track these things, your key performance indicators, and know what, you know, and maybe for everybody, they're a little bit different. I'm not going to say there's a one size fits all, except for waste. I would say waste is one size fits all. But, you know, what, what are your numbers? Where are they trending? You can't change what you can't measure. Love it. Well, Stephen, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, I, I kind of already alluded to it, and that if I could tell you to do one thing, it would be to pick your biggest meal and go for a short 15-minute stroll after that meal and enjoy it. Maybe that's walking with somebody. Maybe that's listening to your podcast. Maybe that's you know going and listening to a book that you love, but the enjoyment is actually part of the success. That's how people get successful with their weight loss or pursuit for health, you know, this journey. Because when you make it a to-do list and you make it hard, then it's it's going to send a different set of chemicals into your body that are gonna actually become more stressful. And what we're shooting for is less stressful. We want that cortisol, that stress hormone out of your body. We want your body to, your subconscious mind to enjoy it so much it wants to do it the next time and it drives you to that. So that's what I would say. Make it enjoyable and choose your biggest meal and go for a short walk after doing so. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come on. Come on. 
Stephen, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Yeah, so I'm super active on LinkedIn. Um, if you're on LinkedIn, find me there and send me a message. I'm also looking for professionals, maybe business owners, especially in the financial industry who want to be interviewed for my book that's coming out. And I would love to do a 15 minute interview with you. You can go to growwealthy.com forward slash book and book your slot there with me. Spell that for me, please. Sure. G-R-O-W-W-E-L-L-T-H-Y dot com forward slash B-O-O-K. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Stephen your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find her on LinkedIn. I'll list that in the notes of the show and then go to growwealthy.com with wealthy spelled W-E-L-L-T-H-Y dot com backslash book and um, provide Stephen with a little bit of data for her upcoming book. Thanks again, Stephen. All right. Thanks so much. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.